Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Jake McGee. Jake, how are you? I'm not too bad. Happy to be back, my friend. Ah, glad to hear it. And I'm also joined by Washington Commanders fan, David Grimshaw, all the way from D.C. How are you doing, Dave? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> all the way from Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. So, a uh, couple of things, Dave, before we yes. before we start. You're in Washington just now. Um, I know you, you mentioned this before. Tell us again, for our listeners, what's the current temperature in Washington? What's the weather like? Uh, it's hot and humid today. 90 degrees at 3.01 p.m. Oh, Eastern Standard word. Time. Uh, hot and humid. Oh, to put that into perspective, and myself and Jake are currently at around 54 degrees, 55 degrees, so it's quite a difference. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a strange off-season uh, for you and your commanders, your Washington commanders. So obviously, uh, Dave, Jake there is a, a Saints fan. Now, as you know, I'm a Broncos fan. You're a, a commanders fan, of course, being over in DC. I how, am. how long have you been a fan of the Washington Commanders, or is it simply too long for you to remember when you started? It has been too long. I, 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 I've been a Washington Redskins fan, former Washington Redskins fan, currently Washington Commanders fan with the new name change. Still haven't gotten used to the name, but uh, yeah, uh, I've been a, a lifelong fan, uh, you know, diehard fan in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area um, for a very, very, very long time. Now, uh, Jake, just, uh, just before we carry on with the news, Jake, I should point out to you that um, David and I watched Super Bowl Forty Nine together in the, was it the Cricket Club in Trinidad? I think it, it was. It was, yes. It was in the Cricket Club <laughs> in Trinidad. Um, and, yes, and we Trinidad were, and Tobago. Yeah, and we were both supporting <laughs> Patriots. <laughs> just... Uh, just, just putting, putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah I, I admitted it to, to uh, Dave Somerville the other week there, and I'm admitting it to you now, Jake. That I was supporting the the um, I was supporting the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So there we are. Um, so we are going to do our NFC East deep dive. Uh, before we go into that, Jake, um, I want you to tell us: Has been anything else going on around the NFL this week? Uh, just some drips and drabs. The Alvin Kamara situation seems to have come come to a light a little bit more. Um, he pleads no contest to lesser misdemeanor charges from the February 2022 incident. Um, the NFL have released a statement saying we've been closely monitoring all developments in the matter which remain under review. Um, now the legal process is complete. The, the league will move forward towards a decision on discipline. Um, with it being a misdemeanor and a lesser one, a lot of Saints fans on my Twitter are assuming it'll be, you know, two games, four games, maybe as much as six, um, but not as as drastic as it as it may have been. Um, but at least we can almost talk about it now because at least there has been some actual comment on it rather than just speculation. So I mean, we these things with suspensions have been going on for various reasons around the league. Uh, fines and suspensions going on. Is it pretty much what you expected, Jake, or did you think there would have been more or, or less from this with Alvin Kamara? 
Well, he's basically agreed to do community service and pay £100,000 um, to the victim for medical bills. Now, the NFL has never commented on the matter. They've just let it play out. A lot of times when you see things hit the news or, or rumours, the NFL will comment on it. They've not commented on this. They've kind of let it play out. Uh, it's a misdemeanor, not a felony. Um, so that will be a big factor in terms of consequences. So... Say it's not a good thing to have a player on your team getting into this kind of drama, but from a selfish kind of you know fantasy and my team going forward, Alvin Kamara likely will miss some game time, but not not an awful lot. So that's positive if you if you if you like. I, I I'm glad that as you see, you know, it's a misdemeanor. It's not a felony. Um, the way the NFL hands out punishments shall we say for various things i don't understand it we've covered this umpteen times regarding the way the nfl goes about with fines and suspensions and things for players um so i don't want to i don't want to sort of beat a dead horse here uh, talking talking about this because there's so many other players that we need to talk about and other things that we need to talk about as well um, but I'll, I'll be honest i was slightly surprised at the the level of the fine I thought it would have been more than that, Just purely because not that the the person is due and you know X amount of cash. I just thought you know the, we know sometimes the NFL likes to not make an example, but they like to sort of show, hey, look at us, we're doing the right thing here, and it's it's like a hefty fine, or you know if a player gets suspended by a team, the NFL will tack on an extra suspension, things like that, and so I'm a little bit surprised to that. I have to admit, but. Um, you know, well, the, I, the league hasn't the league hasn't done anything yet. So that is just the the law. His hundred hundred k fine is from from him pleading like no contest to it. That the league have not yet. Oh, they've not on oh, anything. Right, so sorry. they may they may still. So the league might still add on some sort yep. of suspension or fine or something like that. Well, we'll we'll need to keep watching that story as it unfolds. Um, was there anything else going on, Jake? Just that there was no players selected in the 2023 supplemental draft. It's one of those kind of things that very rarely anybody is selected. Um, the New York Jets were selected for hard knocks, so we all get to see some uh, of a quarterback we don't get to talk about too often oh, in Aaron Rodgers. God, so it's going to be Rogers. great to be able to you know have like six or eight weeks to have a long hard knocks. He's really focusing on someone that doesn't get his limelight and <laughs> just be nice to, to pour some in, you know, I don't think give I can, him some attention. I don't think I can stand eight weeks of Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I mean, when the Lions did it last year, it was fantastic. It was must watch television, hard knocks. I, I, I think that they've made a mistake with this one. I know why they've done it, obviously, but I think they made a mistake. Dave, um, I'll get you to opinion on this, David. What's your opinion on Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets being selected for hard knocks this year? Are you going to watch it? I will watch it. And I'm a bit surprised as well. But yeah, I, I will definitely watch it. I, I am there. Fair enough. You've got to enjoy the circus. You have to enjoy the circus because the ah. circus is going to happen no matter what. So you might as well go. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it will be a circus. It, it will, and I suppose you know we'll get a, another insight into what the what the Jets are going to be this year, um, because none none of us know what on earth is going to happen to this franchise. We have no idea, uh, so maybe we will get an insight into it. But I, I, they'll be hard pressed, as I say, last year's with the Detroit Lions was absolutely fantastic. It was 
amazing to watch. So they'll be hard pressed to beat that, I think. But uh, we, you know, knowing the NFL and NFL films, they'll always give us something good to watch. I suppose some good sound bites as well. Uh, but enough about Aaron Rodgers, Jake. Please change the subject. <laughs> Anyone else? Okay. I've got long as he stays healthy. As long as he stays. Well, I've got some uh, small news for you and small news for me. So I'll, I'll start with, with you. Javante uh, Williams told media members at a youth camp he was hosting that the plan right now is for him to be cleared and ready to go for the start of training camp. Uh, that's in line with what the, the Broncos have kind of been predicting and pointing out there. Uh, and the reporter, James Palmer, said he was told Williams has been, and I quote, working his ass off with rehab. Um, so some positive news for the Broncos going into training camp and, and well, pre-season really, I suppose. That, that is huge news for the Broncos. Javonte Williams was one of the most exciting players in the NFL over the past sort of year. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I think it was week three or week four, when he, he blew out his, his ACL uh, last year. And it was, it was a big loss for the team and the Broncos running game was nothing. Nothing when he went down until we signed Latavius Murray. But Murray is now gone. He uh, has signed with the Buffalo Bills, I think it is. He's gone to Buffalo. So um, the Broncos really just had Mike Boone and uh, uh, beat up Javante Williams on the depth. I'm surprised he's going to be ready for, for a training camp. That's very quick. Like, really. Did you bring in some RJ Pirine as well? Oh, no, we did. We brought in Pirine from... <laughs> <laughs> from the I forgot. Uh, if you're listening to Magic oh. Ryan, I do apologize for completely forgetting that you exist. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, Javante Williams, as I say, a great player. So I'm very happy about that. David, what do you think of Javante Williams? Did you see much of him when he was when he was playing? Not so much last year, obviously, but his rookie year, he was spectacular. He was spe- spectacular. And uh, well, I'm excited for him to return. He is back. And, uh, yeah, he should have a, a great year this year if he stays healthy. Yeah. Again. There's always that key caveat for a lot of athletes, if they can stay healthy. Uh, that's that is it. the, the yeah. main thing. The team definitely needs a good running back. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it time and time again. The running game is so important, and it, it sort of brings, Very important. it highlights once again how... Running backs are so devalued in the NFL, and I, I just don't understand it at all. Because without a good running back, you're in, you can be in a lot of trouble. You remember Riggins with the Washington Redskins? I, I, I'm going to keep bringing them up. <laughs> Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I remember John Riggins. He was he was fantastic. Yeah, great, great one. Yeah, um, Out of the Hogs, right? Yep, yeah. Hogs or uh, honorary hog, an honorary hog. Yes. yes. Any other news, Jake, before we go on to our NFC East deep dive? Just maybe my favorite thing to happen on the internet, full stop this week. Last night, the official NFL Twitter posted the entire Patriots Falcon Super Bowl with the caption, Frick it, an entire football game. It has since been deleted, and I assume it in turn fired. But <laughs> it was great because I was laying in bed last night watching the Falcons blow a 28 3 lead again. It was oh. it's like Christmas all over again. You are obsessed with that game. NFL tweeted out themselves uh, an entire two-hour football game they, they put on Twitter. I, didn't I, was even watching... know could, I didn't even know you could do that on Twitter, have a two-hour video. Neither did I, and neither did the NFL probably, because it's been deleted since. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was just fantastic that someone posted that uh, 
yesterday evening, so it's about 10 o'clock, popped up on my feed. I thought, you know what? Perfect bedtime viewing. So, David, I should probably point out that as Jake is a Saints fan, his most hated rivals are the Atlanta Falcons. As a result of this, the Super Bowl in which the Patriots came back from the 28-3 to uh, deficit is one of his favourite, well, probably is your favourite non-Saints game, is it? So it's, it's, it's definitely up there. Definitely up there. So I should point this out, David. Jake loves that game. <laughs> it's <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> I remember everybody else was like, oh, I'm going to bed. I'm, you know, that's enough for me. The game's over. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to watch the Falcons like coast to a Super Bowl, I'm going to watch it. And I sat there and I, I endured it. And then, okay, 28-9, missed, a few, missed the extra point. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, never mind. Go for an onside kick, mess up the onside kick. I was like, oh, for God's sake, now maybe I'll go to bed. No, I'll stick with it. And it just kept coming. Just just really rewarded my patience. <laughs> you, That's you, a true fan. I, yeah, that is a true fan. Definitely. Jake, <laughs> you are a true Saints and NFL fan. I can say that. I'm a true anti-Falcons fan. Anti-Falcons fan. (laughs) (laughs) He hates the Falcons that much. And yet you had a go at me last year. I don't remember when it was. Oh, no, it was earlier this year. Uh, When you said I had issues because of my hatred for the Seattle Seahawks. You have a lot of hate. I, when we do the NFC deep dive, I will be nice to the Falcons. I will be professional. I just, sometimes I let the hate out. You always let the hate out. (laughs) That's a shocking thing to say, uh, although, mm. it, although it may be true. Right, okay, so, NFC East deep dive. NFC East. Now, last year, obviously, the standings were Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, and then, David, your Washington Commanders, bringing up the Commanders. Rear. So, we're going to start eight, with... Eight. Yes, that's what eight, eight and one the commanders were last year. So we're going to start, yes. however, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, last season they went fourteen and three. They had a points differential of one hundred and thirty-three, uh, second best in the NFC. That points differential that they had. Not much that we can sort of add to them because everyone already knows. We watched them go through the playoffs. Um, they went all the way to the Super Bowl and they lost the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, in Jeez. the playoffs, the divisional round, they came up against the New York Giants. They absolutely demolished them 38-7 and then came up against a San Francisco 49ers team that didn't have a quarterback and they beat them 31-7. But when they came up against the Chiefs, they weren't able to get it done. They lost that one 38-35. But a 14-3 record, um, they looked really good. Jalen Hurts looked very good and not statistically fantastic, but he did look good. And, David, I'll put it to you first. What did you make of the Philadelphia Eagles last year, and what are you looking to expect from them this year? Well, I was definitely afraid of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles last year. And uh, this year, they're going to continue with their their run. Um, I believe they're strong. Um, they, they, they've got a over-under, setting 28 over-under for 2023 season. They've got a strong, uh, they're going to, you know, strong push for the playoffs. I I believe so. Barring the commander is going to stop them. 
Uh, a lot of Eagles fans are going to hate me now. Yeah, <laughs> Commanders will be in there. <laughs> you know? You've got to you've got say that. Die hard. Fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, you spoke about the over-under there with the Eagles. Now, we, we've already spoken about the running game, as you mentioned there with Jalen Hurts. But, Jake, I'll put it to you with regards to to the Eagles. Um, they've kept their sort of core unit in place, and they've added a couple of pieces as well. What are you thinking about what we going going forward with the Eagles? Uh, of course, you know, from from last year's the success they had last year. Do you think they can match it? I don't know if they can match it, mainly because the NFC East being basically the best division in football, they had no losing records, three teams in the playoffs. Every team improved. Um, they've been drawn the AFC East and the NFC West. They've got almost all of them have got the like hardest strength of schedule possible. The Eagles have the toughest strength of schedule. Um, so even though they are the most likely chance of making the Super Bowl at twenty five point five percent in the NFC East, their over under has dropped to ten and a half. So even with them being such a dominant team, they did have a bit of turnover in terms of defense. They lost five defensive starters. They've obviously lost both coordinators. Um, so, the, you know, the over-under kind of suggests they expect a drop. You know, they should still be challenging for the division, but it's certainly not going to be without its uh, issues. I mean, there hasn't been a, a repeat division champ in the NFC since McNabb like the Eagles in 2001 to 2004. So it kind of just shows how competitive this division is. And then... Focusing on the Eagles, I mean, they, they start on the road for the, the fourth straight year. They've got two Super Bowl rematches this year. Week one at the Patriots, that's a rematch of Super Bowl 39 and Super Bowl 52. And then week 11, they play at Arrowhead. They play the Chiefs in a rematch of this past Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that is really when the Eagles schedule gets very tasty. Week 11 to week 15, they've got the Chiefs off a bye. Then they have Bills on a short week. This is followed by the 49ers, and it tops off with followed by the Cowboys and then the Seahawks on the road. So that is a that's a rough schedule number one kind of stretch. Yeah, that is uh, that's brutal for any team. If they can win two, even three of those games, and and kind of limp out of there, you'd be happy with that. Uh, sorry, what what week did you say that their bias this week? Uh, their by and the Chiefs both week ten. So they both get to rest up ahead of the the Super Bowl rematch, and that that's quite a run in after your bye week, as you see with the Chiefs and then the Bills, <laughs> Cowboys, and Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, David, I'll I'll put it to you. You know, sticking with the Eagles for the time being here. Um, as I say, the the points differential was pretty hefty at one hundred and thirty three, um, but it was it really was that defense looked pretty mighty at times I and mean, they had some games last year where they were just absolutely crushing opponents early on the the, the vikings 24 to 7 you don't command us do apologize for that 24 to 8 but as the season went on they started to allow more and more points right up until the playoffs you know they, they allowed 40 to the cowboys in week 16 do you think yeah. they have the potential you know as same question that i asked dave there uh, they, they are one of the favourites in the NFC. Do you think they've got the potential to maybe repeat as NFC champions? I believe so. Yeah, if they uh, again, yeah, I always um, touch on uh, yeah, as long as the team stays healthy, 
uh, injuries is always a key factor. But, uh, yeah, they definitely uh, have the potential to make the playoffs again. Uh, Washington Commanders, they stand in their way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, the entire no, NFC East stands in their way. Obviously, the, the, the Cowboys and the Giants will have something to say about that as well. And speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, the next team we're going to talk Uh-oh. about. They finish, I know yeah. you don't like. I, I know you don't like the Cowboys, David. Don't worry, we won't. Talk, right. We won't talk about them for too long. Um, <laughs> they had a finished the season with a twelve and five record. They also went into the playoffs uh, in a wild card mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay. That wild game the wild wild card where the kicker missed what four extra points was it i think it was four um and then when they met the san francisco 49ers in the divisional round they lost that one 19 to 12 they had no answer for san francisco's defense uh, in that game but they started the season with a loss to tampa bay and then went on a roll um they won seven of the next eight games uh in uh, with the one loss actually coming against the Philadelphia Eagles in week six there. Um, so, Jake, we'll put it to you first. The Dallas Cowboys, what did you make of them last year? What are you expecting from them this year, especially now that Ezekiel Elliott has gone? Well, that's back-to-back 12-5 and five seasons. Uh, their offense obviously slipped a little, but their defense really stepped up to kind of made up for it. Uh, it's the first time since 1992 uh, to 1995 where they've had consecutive 12-win seasons. That's good news. Uh, bad news is it's also back-to-back wildcard exits to the 49ers and uh, an NFL record of streak of consecutive playoff appearances without a conference championship is the Dallas Cowboys with 12 in a row. So they really are the, the playoff chokers and just kind of can't ever seem to get back there. And just like in the 90s, they seem to be coming up against the 49ers at a bad time. In terms of this year, uh, they traded very little to acquire Brandon Cooks and Stefan Gilmore. Uh, they retain, retained almost all of their key defensive players who gave up the fifth fewest points. The bad news for us is they have six primetime games because they are America's team, and don't, don't go forgetting it. That's tied most with the Chargers, Chiefs, and the Bills. Um, and then in terms of their kind of schedule and what I've looked at, they've got four road games in the first six. And three of the last four on the road as well. So again, strength of schedule is tied fourth. But even I've said previously, you know, a strength of schedule can be good or bad depending on how it falls. And a tough start with a lot on the road and then a tough end with a lot on the road isn't fun. They've got back to back California road games in week five and six before the bye. And then week 13 to week 17. So after Thanksgiving, play in Washington. They then play four playoff teams. They have a Thursday game against Seattle, a Sunday night game against the Eagles. They then go to Buffalo, and then they go to Miami. I mean, it's just... The, the, the NFC East is just going to be a car crash this year because there's good teams, but the schedules are just brutal. That is rough as well. And I thought I thought Philadelphia's was bad. Dallas's might be worse. Um, David, I'm going to put it to you for the Dallas Cowboys. There's a lot of talk about, uh, obviously, with Ezekiel Elliott going, as I already mentioned. Dak Prescott. Now, as Jake mentioned, you know, that essentially, you know, they go through the playoffs, they crash out in the divisional round again. It's, it's almost a carbon copy of the Tony Romo 
era in in Dallas. Um, what do you think of these Cowboys? Yes. Can they get it done? Can they get over the hump and finally make it to an NFC Championship game? Or is it the usual uh, America's team, all the high preseason, and then they're just going to collapse again? What do you think, David? Yes, I think it's going to be the usual America's team and then collapse. <laughs> they're not going to they're not going to forgive uh, the commanders for that that uh, loss they had on um, twenty six to six. You know that uh, we always seem to to you know uh, split the season anyway with uh, either uh, we beat them or they beat us. And with the commanders, I know. Even though we we have a, a losing season, if we if, if we beat the Dallas Cowboys in the DMV area, what you know DC, Maryland, Virginia, we are, we always consider it a success successful season. But yeah, Dallas Cowboys, America's team. No, nah, I don't believe the hype. No, I'm sure I'm sure if Tim was here, uh, he'd be. Uh, champing at the bit to disagree with you there, but the reality is, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the reality I'm is, gonna get a, I'm going to get a lot of calls from my Dallas friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as Jake mentioned, they've not made an NFC Championship since 1990. Is it 1994, Jake? 95. Uh, what I've got is that they've. I, I've just got the the record of streak of consecutive playoff appearances without a conference championship, which it'll, is twelve it, in a row. So it's at least twelve years. It, it well, it'll uh, it'll be 1995 because that was they won the Super Bowl that year. Um, and I so don't. have not been since I've been born. I don't think been. they've been back to an NFC championship since. I don't think so. I'd need to look that up. The last time they made um, an NFC championship, um, because you know people keep talking every. It seems like every single preseason, people are banging on about the Dallas Cowboys just relentlessly, and then every year they disappoint. It it just appears to be that way. Um, yeah, they have not made an NFC Championship since 1995. <laughs> I mean, not since I've been born. That's well, that's because you were born far too late, Jake. Far too late. I was born in 995. See, that's far too Pretty late. <laughs> Shocking, <laughs> David. This is what I have to put up with. People who are way younger than I am. Talking about the NFL, and every time I I bring things up, they're like, "Wasn't even born then." I talk about, oh, oh no, yeah, I'm talking about things like the the 1994 San Francisco 49ers, and Jake's like, "No, don't remember. Wasn't born. Don't remember. He doesn't remember Doug Williams either, does he? <laughs> no, doesn't remember Doug the Williams Tampa either. Bay quarterback Doug Williams. <laughs> he was he was a Tampa Bay quarterback. That's right. I'm not going to talk about. I hate Doug Williams. You know that, David. What he did. To oh him. my! What he He's did. He's a coach now. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, that's the 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 Dallas Cowboys. So we're not really sure what to expect from them this year. Uh, moving on, we're going to come to the New York Football Giants. They finished the season with a 9-7-1 record. The Giants also made the playoffs and absolutely shocked everyone by beating down in the Minnesota Vikings in the wildcard game. Then came up against the Cropper in the Eagles, uh, against the Eagles, as we've already mentioned in the divisional round. The Giants are one of the most hot and cold teams 
you never know what you're going to get with this team other than they may disappoint you. Um, They finished the season with a points differential of minus six, despite having a winning record, 9-7-1, as I already said there. Um, So, David, we'll put it to you. The New York Giants, obviously, they signed Daniel Jones to this ridiculously massive contract. Um, that I don't think anybody could believe when it actually happened. Um, they do still have Saquon Barkley there, although, to the best of my knowledge, he still has not signed his franchise tag yet. That I may be wrong on that if that's changed. David, I'll put it to you. The New York Giants, what did you make of them last year? What are you expecting this year? I think the New York Giants are going to be hurting. Um, you got uh, is Gerard Davis, is he still hurt? That knee surgery. New York Giants are going to be struggling this year. That's that's my that's my summer. And the offensive line is struggling. They haven't done anything to build that up. Yeah, they they they, they might struggle mightily this year. We, I I need to wait for I need to wait to see if Saquon's going to play because he has he has hinted that he might sit out due to contract disputes. I mean, if that's the case, they've got no chance. I well, I I think they've got no chance. Without Saquon, if he doesn't play, Jake, I'll put it to you. The Giants, uh, what, what do you make of this team? Uh, the whole, the whole franchise seems to be sort of it's coming undone at times. When you look at the way that they're, they're structuring contracts for people, and I, I hate to sound like I'm just you know a broken record, but this contract that Daniel Jones had really, really cripples the team for a while. Considering they let some of their best players go last year, and have they filled those spots up? With the, the Giants, it's not often you can really say that a coach does make the difference, but Brian Dable is kind of working a miracle. The Giants improved from four wins to nine wins. They still managed to lose to the Eagles three times, including, in Brian Dable's own words, getting smoked in the playoffs. That was a 38-7 to loss. Now, they traded for Darren Waller. They've drafted Jalen Hyatt. They've replaced their center in the draft. They've... Tried to pick up a few bits and pieces, Bobby Okariki, Sean Robinson, Paris Campbell, nothing kind of sticks out to you. And then in terms of going forward this season, I mean, they open at home against the Cowboys. That's the seventh time in the last 12 years they meet in the opener. The Giants have only won one. In fact, the Cowboys are 11 wins, one loss in the last 12 meetings, so... They Giants regular lose to the Eagles. They regularly lose to the Cowboys, and that's not a good recipe for for winning your division. They have the the tied fourth strength of schedule with the Cowboys, but I would say theirs, to me on paper, looks better. They've got four of the first six, or even seven of their first eleven on the road. But after week ten, they finish with five of their last seven at home. Now, they play the Eagles twice in that stretch, but the Eagles are the only playoff team from last year they play in that stretch. So, even though they've got the same kind of strength of schedule, it certainly seems a bit more favorable to the Cowboys, you know, to my eye. Um, We will get to see lots of the Giants, supposedly, because they have five primetime games. They've got two Sunday night games, two Monday night games, uh, a Thursday night game, and a Christmas game. So, we're going to see an awful lot of the Giants whether that's good, bad, or ugly it is yet to be seen, but I really do think Brian Dable is, is working wonders kind of with the Giants so to get them from four wins to nine wins in, in one year. Yeah. Um, very well, well, oh my goodness, can't speak. 
Good point, Jake. <laughs> Very good point there. Um, now, I, I, I don't know. As I say already, I have no idea what to expect from this team with the, with the Giants. But I am worried that they are going to be absolutely awful if Saquon doesn't play this year. I, I just I don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, let's move on to our final team in the NFC East. David, I know you've been waiting for this. Here we go. It is the Washington Commanders. Now, the Washington Commanders finished with an 8-8-1 record last year. Um, they had some really good games and they had some really bad games last year. And Obviously, the quarterback situation has completely changed. It's all up in the air now for the Washington Commanders. Um, they went from Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, uh, and uh, unbelievably, they let Taylor Heineke go, which I did not think they were going to do. I thought he was going to be there for uh, any number of time. But they've got a young fella there. Um, Jake, I'll put it to you first before we hand it over to David for his team. Um, the Washington Commanders, who last year, as I say, with 8-8-1 eight, eight and one, had a points differential of minus 22. Um, they didn't score many points, but that defense was pretty strong last year. What did you see from them last year? What are you expecting from them this year? I mean, that defensive line is just stacked head to toe, but... The offense and kind of how the commanders are, are run are the, the main issues. I mean, that's the, the sixth year in a row they will start with a, a new quarterback, which is not healthy. Um, good news for the neutrals is they only have one primetime game, but they do have, of course, their Thanksgiving game with Dallas. So we will see them a couple of times on TV. They don't have a bye till week 14, which is not ideal because it feels a bit late by that point. They have 10 games against playoff teams. And from October 22nd, six of their seven games are versus playoff teams, um, which is not good news because under Coach Riviera, uh, the commanders get off to very slow starts and they cannot afford to do that this year. I mean, in 2020, <clears throat> they were 1-5. 2021, they were 2-6. and six, And last year, they were 1-4. and four. So that's something they're definitely going to need to change this year, need to get off to... A positive, good start. Otherwise, it could really snowball. And then have the quarterback. I mean, you're looking at Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett. I really like their wide receivers. You've got Scary Terry and Jahan Dotson. We've mentioned that defensive line. Um, a few changes on the offensive line, but it all looks quite positive. If Logan Thomas can stay healthy, because frankly, last couple of years, he's been pretty underwhelming in terms of being able to stay on the pitch. But they... One positive I will leave you with with the Commanders is the fact that a offensive genius and future Chiefs head coach decided to take a sideward step. Um, everyone was for years has been talking about Eric Bieniemy being the next head coach in waiting. Why is he not getting a head coach? Is he, you know, waiting for, for Andy Reid to move over and then to take an offensive coordinator job at a team like the Commanders? You know, he could have had the pick of his bunch at head coach most likely let alone offensive coordinator. So as a commander's player, that would get me pumped up thinking, okay, Eric Bieniemy wants to be here and has chosen to be here. We can do something. And like I say, with that defensive line and, and that defense, if Eric Bieniemy gets this offense cooking, you just never know that the commanders really could be in the hunt, even with Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett at the helm. I think that um, he must see something in Sam Howell. I think I think he must yes. do because yes. in order for the enemy to move 
away from Patrick Mahomes because he he could have, as you say, Jake, sat there in Kansas City, picked up probably let's not kid ourselves on here another two three Super Bowl rings as an offensive coordinator and then become a head coach and maybe win another Super Bowl ring. He could have done that, but he decided to go somewhere else and he chose Washington, as you've said. So, David, we're going to put it to you, the Washington Commanders. Jake's already mentioned you've got the the young quarterback there, Sam Howell. Um, Whether or not he starts uh, or if Jacoby Brissett starts, we're not sure yet, but they do have good weapons. Good receivers, good defense. The running game is no slouch either. David, you're Washington Commanders. What have you got? Uh, Washington Commanders are definitely in contention for the playoffs. And uh, I have confidence in Sam Howell. Although I've been disappointed with the quarterback controversy, we're always, we're always dealing with quarterback controversy. Um, our quarterbacks, this, this seem to, uh, they seem to come after our quarterbacks pretty hard you know, in the NFC East, uh, especially Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but with Sam Howell and our new co- uh, offensive coordinator, he's, he's, he's really putting it um, to them. He's a, a, they have a lot of confidence in the offensive coordinator and his, um, and his ability to bring the team to where they need to be and uh, to make the uh, playoffs. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> As Jake said, if if the enemy is able to get this offense going anything yes. at all, like let's you know, even a microcosm of what Kansas City has been able to achieve, I'm not comparing Sam Howell to Patrick Mahomes. Of course not. That that would be a ridiculous thing to do. But they've got plenty of talent. There's loads of talent there on this team. I mean, if they if they do, if if the enemy is as good as everyone thinks he is. Do you think perhaps we could actually see the commanders going from worst to first in this division? A lot of people, uh, they compare Howell to Drew Brees as far as his skill set. So if the offensive line stays stays healthy and he gets the the protection that he needs, uh, yeah, like you say, we have the weapons and and the wide receivers. And um, our running game is definitely want to contend with yeah it's a very strong running game there i think if, if that offensive line can stay healthy as you've said they can be very effective and of course a quarterback's best friend is the running game i think whether it's howell or Brissett at quarterback they're going to need that running game jake i'll put it over to you now with regards to the the eric Bieniemy signing i mean it was basically the the biggest upgrade I think uh, a team has had offensively, just like oh, do you know what? We're going to replace our offensive coordinator. Getting Eric Bieniemy was an absolute steal for the Washington Commanders. What do you think of that? I mean, I mentioned when I was talking about the Giants, the fact that Giants had a forward season, weren't looking like too much. Saquon Barkley was injured. They're probably going to have a rubbish season. In comes Brian Dable. They get nine wins. Everyone all of a sudden, oh, are the Giants decent? Probably not. They're just being helped massively by a coach. Now, Eric Bieniemy, absolutely admirable to take take this kind of step because, like I say, he could easily have coasted to a couple more Super Bowls. You know, just been Andy Reid's understudy, eventually take over, or possibly just wait until a, a head coaching gig that he wanted came open. But he's decided 
to go make a name for himself. Well, not that he hasn't already, but go, you know, fly his his wings and to choose a team like the Commanders, who, you know, if you ask Andy Reid or Bill Belichick, oh, who would you like to coach right now? No disrespect, the Commanders probably wouldn't be top 10. Airbnb enemy's really taking kind of a leap of faith. Um, he's obviously seen something he likes, whether it's the fact that he's been promised maybe head coach once Rivera leaves. I'm unsure, but if there is anyone that can kind of elevate this offense, it's it's Eric Bieniemy, and that's exactly what Brian Dable did with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been talked about as you know he's going to be a backup in the league next year. Well, guess what? He should have been paid because Brian Dable made him look competent. If Eric Bieniemy can get Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett competent, that's all he needs. We've got a good running game. We've got two great wide receivers. Kurt Samuel's a, a good slot receiver. Say if Logan Thomas can stay healthy. Then this defense is is you know good enough to carry the team to wins, and you know the commanders are either going to go five and twelve or eleven and yeah. six and surprise people. So I really, even though they only have the the one prime time game and the Thanksgiving game, commanders will be must watch TV because it is going to be interesting to see how this offense kind of works under the enemy. It is. And David, I mean, you must have been absolutely pumped to hear that Eric Bieniemy was coming over because when I heard that, you know, we, we've heard it every year for the past three, even four years that, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach. Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach, should be a head coach. And he could easily have walked into one, any one of those jobs. So, because uh, I know when, when the Broncos were obviously after last year's debacle with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, um, they were talking about getting a new head coach. What I wanted, because I didn't think there was any way the Broncos were getting Sean Payton. I thought it's not going to happen. So what I wanted was Jim Harbaugh to come in and Eric B. Enemy. <laughs> and I was like, I want that for Denver. That's what I want. So, how did you react when you heard that Bianami was uh, was coming over to Washington? Oh, I, I, was, I was very pleased. I, I, was, I was surprised as well. You know, I, I thought he would have been the head coach uh, at a, any one of the NFL teams. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, um, that was a definitely a win for the Commanders. Uh, you know, and I, I believe you know. He, he he will definitely bring us up to where we need to be uh, as far as you know in the NFC East we're going to be we're going to be strong contender uh Dallas Cowboys watch out Philadelphia Eagles watch out I mentioned at the start there's not been a repeat division championship like a champion winner since well 2004 and that's that's for a reason because there is always two or three teams in this division that are in contention We've had it before where they've all been poor. We've had a you know an, an eight-win, a nine-win team in the playoffs. But that's because it's so competitive. They eat each other alive. Um, we mentioned that with the AFC West. Last year, everyone was saying, oh, that everyone in the AFC West is going to win 15 games. Well, it's not possible when you play each other twice a year. Um, so the Commanders obviously have... They've got the, the eighth strength of schedule, which is still horrendous. Um, but compared to some of the others... It's much better if they can win, you know, even split the series with the rest of the NFC East. They could absolutely be laughing and say, you just never know with the NFC East. I believe in Sam Howell. I believe he's confident. And like I said, if the offensive line holds for him, I think he'll do well. Some serious weapons as far as the wide receivers, if he uses them, 
you know, it, we'll do pretty good. Uh, last year, he, I, I believe he his first NFL pass was against the, um, the Dallas Cowboys. Touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin, if I remember correctly. Am I right? Fact check me on that. Fact check you. I don't, I'll yeah. be honest, I don't remember. I'm going to Google it right now. Yes. Terry McLaurin for a 16-yard touchdown against the Cowboys. And that was Sam Howell's first pass, was, was it? That was his first NFL pass. I mean, that can't be bad. Imagine you get you go into a game, your very first NFL game, and you drop yeah. a pass play, and your first pass goes for a touchdown. That's got to give you confidence. Ron Rivera wanted to see what he had. Wanted to see what he what he would do. And what do you what do you make of Ron yeah. Rivera? Because he had obviously he had success in Carolina, um, but then it sort of it sort of petered out uh, with you know with the injuries to Cam Newton and things like that. And uh, he comes over to Washington, and it's not been the easiest of starts for him in Washington, but he sort of seems to be getting things going again and he seems to be a a much loved person he seems to be like a really well respected man as well um what you know you're there you're in washington what's the sort of feeling about about ron rivera how how are people viewing him uh they're viewing him as he he's stable and level-headed he's kept the team together despite everything that's been going on and off the field but um yeah ron rivera is is uh is going to be there for the immediate future um yeah he's he's going to keep us together he's he's the definitely he's the glue in and and what's holding us together and we're you know and we're going to move forward with him I was just saying, it does seem like there's kind of a change in the tide in Washington. You know, you mentioned there you've got Ron Rivera, very stable. The, the GM that came in last year kind of setting out a plan on what he wants to do. And now with the potential ownership change when that happens and good rents to, to Dan Snyder, it does kind of feel like the, the commanders, Washington, whatever they want to call themselves, um, are kind of trending in the right direction, which is positive for, for uh, commanders fans. Yeah, it's the one thing I, I have. The one thing I haven't mentioned yet is Dan Snyder. So obviously, because <laughs> I didn't want to, didn't <laughs> open up a huge can of worms, but we, we kind of have to talk about it, really, because it is going to be a massive change for the organization. Dan Snyder's gone. It appears that everybody could not stand this man. He just appeared to be the worst person in the world. I don't know what was going on. Uh, just everything seemed to be bad that Dan Snyder was doing. Now, the change of the name has come up again because of new ownership for for Washington. Um, David, obviously, you knew them as the Redskins for all those years. Um, Mm -hmm. And when they were first changed the name, they became the Washington football team. And then they changed it again to become the Washington Commanders. There's rumors about changing it again through the new ownership. What do you make of this? Um, do, do you do you think they should change it again? Do you think they should just keep it as the commanders? Uh, do you have any opinions on, do you have any suggestions for a name? I, I wanted them to be the Washington Wild Hogs because they've already got the hogs and they've already got the big noses for the, the, the fans and that. But what did you think of that? Well, the Washington Wild Hogs, that, that, that might be a, a- but just as as I was getting used to the Washington Commanders, you're talking about they're going to change the name again. Oh, wow! With with the new with the new ownership, mm, 
I don't know. I, what, what What's in the name? You know, as long as they are winning, <laughs> I don't care what they call them. <laughs> there you go, Jake. You heard it right from the <laughs> from the mouth of a Washington <laughs> native there. Uh, it, it does, you know. <laughs> As long as they're winning, who cares what they're called? I suppose, you know, there's, there's, there's truth in that. You, you get used to a name after a while. You do, you know? Uh, I mean, when, when the Cleveland Browns left Cleveland and became the Baltimore Ravens, uh, it didn't take long for people to embrace that because they were winning. When the Baltimore Colts left to go to Indianapolis and when the, the Rams jumping up and down the country all the time, it, it doesn't take long for people to get used to it. I'm still not used to the Los Angeles Chargers, as Jay keeps bringing up, that I keep seeing San And that's because they don't win. It, it <laughs> might right. be. Right. It might if be. If they were winning, yeah, everybody would be chanting their name. <laughs> if, they were in, if, you know, if they could actually win a playoff, you know, a few playoff games and, and not choke out a season, then, then maybe people would remember they also play in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. you're right. Um, I'd say sorry, Chargers fans, but there's about seven, so I'm okay. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so anyway, right. Let's let's wrap up the NFC East um, ra- roundup. There, recap as we've done the deep dive, uh, and we're going to move on to our next section, which is, of course, random stats. Random stats. So, um, Jake, do you have a random stat for us? Of course. I always come ready with a random stat. It's short and sweet, uh, but I always try and make it centered around the division we're we're doing. Um, So, wide receivers with 1,000 or more receiving yards in a season for four different teams. There are only two, and they both have the same first name. Slightly different. Uh, the first one being Brandon Marshall. He did it for Denver. He did it for Miami. He did it for Chicago. And he finished off by doing it for the Jets. The other one, spoiler, already said it's Brandon, so it's Brandon Cooks. Did it with the Saints. Did it with uh, New England. Did it with the Rams. He's done it with Houston. Is he going to do it with the Cowboys? Because obviously, mentioned in our, our roundup there, that he's been, well, they traded chips for him. Um, no matter who his quarterback is, Brandon Cooks always gets his numbers. Um, so he will be looking to be the only wide receiver to do it with five teams. Uh, but there is a special little shout out to T.O. Terrell Owens. He had a thousand yards with uh, 49ers, a thousand with Philadelphia, a thousand with Dallas, and 983 yards in 14 games with Cincinnati at age 37. So almost, almost joining the list but fell 17 yards short. Oh, 17 yards. 17 yards, Terrell Owens. One catch, one catch short. That's, that's, that's got to be painful for him, because we know what an ego T.O. had. You know, he would he love to be part of that list. <laughs> it just shows how underrated Brandon Marshall is. Never really gets to talk, you know, spoken about in terms of top 10, top 15, and even top 20, but Brandon Marshall was nothing but consistent. That's very true. I, I mentioned Brandon Marshall. Um, uh, I, th- I don't know if it was last week or the week before. He He's always, uh, well, sorry, he's never mentioned in the conversation of great wide receivers. You're absolutely right there, mm-hmm. Jake. I have two random ones. So you're quite <laughs> all right. I've got one that was donated. Um, so I've got a random stat here that was sent to me by Dave Somerville. And he said, I want you to read this out 
verbatim as a random stat, but I'm not going to because they put a cheeky thing in about me, so I'm not going to do that. Um, so random stat, so, sort of a, a slight story because you know Dave likes to go on his random stats. So we're going to cast your minds back to 1943. Don't worry, Jake. I know you weren't born at this point. <laughs> I wasn't even a thought. I think that, that my mom and dad weren't even a thought. <laughs> 1943. The world is at war. Richard James has just invented the slinky, and James Wright invented the silly putty. The war created a mass player shortage, in particular for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles organizations. They were so depleted that a fear of folding hovered over both teams. Instead, they did the unthinkable. They merged into Phil Pitt. But the fans had a more apt name for them, which was the Steagles. That's S-T-E-A-G-L-E-S, the Steagles. During this season, it was the first winning season in the history of the Philadelphia and only the second in Pittsburgh's history. They went five and four, missing out in the playoffs by one win. The Eagles were able to forge their own team in 1944. However, the poor Steelers had to go back to the drawing board as they still did not have enough players. They ended up forging another merger. This one a lot less exciting as the only team willing to merge was the Chicago Cardinals in 1944. They had gone 0-10 and the previous year. Fans compared this prospect to be as exciting as a trip to the doctors. Dave wrote this as is not my words. I'm reading this out. So, you know, take from it what you will. This team would be known as Card Pit. The team, however, was very much more appropriately known as the Carpets due to going winless and commentators saying every team walked all over them. Uh, basically, the point of the story, it took Pittsburgh to merge with Philly before they could get a winning season. And of course, the Steelers today are one of the most successful franchises in NFL history. And Dave says, you have to read it exactly like that. And that was his random stat. It was about the Steelers having their first winning season as a member of the Steagles. The, the Pitt Steelers and the Eagles merging in 1943. Why couldn't they just be like Team Pennsylvania? I know. I was thinking, just call yourselves the, the Pennsylvania somethings. The Pennsylvania football team for a year. Yeah. That, that would have done the trick, you know? And, you know, as, as, as David already said, see if they're winning, nobody would care. No one would care. So that was Dave's random stat there. Now I've got another random stat here, and mine is also wide receiver centric. Um, oh, we're on the same page. We're definitely on the same page here. And I'm going to talk about two different wide receivers, okay? And their careers. Now, uh, wide receiver number one, wide receiver number one, uh, a two time Pro Bowler, three time Super Bowl champ. Hall of Fame All-1980s team, played in 121 games. He had 347 receptions for 5,598 yards and 43 touchdowns. He also returned punts uh, in 1988. He was the league's leading punt returner. Um, and he made, <clears throat> excuse me, I beg your pardon, he was uh, second team All-Pro that season and Pro Bowl because of his receiving and his uh, punt returning. And he actually ended up his career with 1,517 punt return yards and two punt return touchdowns. That's receiver number one. Now, receiver number two, 
three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, four-time Super Bowl champ, uh, and Super Bowl MVP. He was a Hall of Famer of the all-1970s team. He had 336 receptions for 5,462 yards and 51 touchdowns. Um, now, these two players have very similar sort of stats as you look at it. But one of these players is in the Hall of Fame and the other one will never be considered for the Hall of Fame. And in my opinion, it should be reversed. It should be because... The player in the Hall of Fame has fewer yards, it's, fewer receptions. Oh, I guess. Yeah, you can, you can, you can try and guess. Uh, has the same yards per reception. Yep, nineteen seventies. Um, he has fifty-one touchdowns against forty-three for the other player. Um, and as to say, he has four Super Bowls as opposed to three Super Bowls. Didn't uh, he? Wasn't a, a, a much of a, a punt returner, although he did. Excuse me, I beg your pardon. Uh, he wasn't much a, a punt returner at all, although he did uh, score one punt return touchdown. A majority was in his rookie season in 1974. His name, if you haven't already guessed it by now, is Lynn Swan. Now, I maintain Lynn Swan does not belong in the Hall of Fame. He isn't even in the top 250 for receiving yards or touchdowns. The other player is, in fact, Lynn Swan, the higher, the most yards he ever had receiving in a season. And it was a 16-game season, so um, not going back here, 880. That's the highest he ever had in a season. And he was our first team All-Pro with 880 receiving yards in 16 games. That's 55 yards per game. Now, I've spoken before about the bias of some teams in the Hall of Fame. I mentioned the Dallas Cowboys, and I, I get I get stick for mentioning the Dallas Cowboys. Pittsburgh Steelers are another one. Now, this player from the 1980s, two-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champ, all Hall of Fame, all-1980s team, will never, ever, ever be considered for the Hall of Fame. Can anyone take a guess who I'm talking about? I'll never forgive you for not letting me guess Lynn Swan because I knew that one. <laughs> now the nineteen eighties one, I wasn't so sure on. I put I, I wrote down question mark Steve Largent. Uh, no, it's not Steve Largent. He never won a Super Bowl. Is that yeah, three see, that's, times? You know, so that's why I knew Lynn Swan, and you. Were, I said, "Can I guess?" And you said, I, "Yeah." You didn't let me guess. I'm sorry, Jake, for not letting you guess. But this guy, three Super Bowls. I can give you another clue. He caught the winning catch in one of the Super Bowls. The winning touchdown. He held a record for the longest punt return in Super Bowl history in that same game. Until it was broken oh, wow. in Super Bowl 50 by Jordan Norwood. Can you guess who I'm talking about? At no point in his career was he ever considered the best receiver on his own team. No. His name was John Taylor. For the San Francisco 49ers. He had over a thousand receiving yards twice in his career. Double digit touchdowns in his career. As I say he led the league in punt returns. Uh, yards and touchdowns in 1988. He uh, was a fantastic Super Bowl player. Caught a winning touchdown in Super Bowl 23 against the Cincinnati Bengals. And his name is never even mentioned for getting into the, you know, the, the shortlist for the Hall of Fame. Probably 
because of Jerry Rice. If John Taylor had been on any other team, he'd be a Hall of Famer. But there you go. Lynn Swan, his stats are absolutely pathetic. They're, they're appalling. His, his, he never, uh, and at no point in his career did he have more than 19.7 yards per reception. He never cracked 1,000 yards in 16 game seasons. 11, he scored 11 touchdowns one year, that was 1975. And he's in the Hall of Fame. And he walked into the Hall of Fame with those four uh, Super Bowl wins. But he never contributed anything to his team like John Taylor did for his 49ers. And that grinds my gears. That is my random stat. Just looking, John Taylor was a nominee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018, but did not make it to the list of finalists. Yeah, never, never reached the list of finalists. Absolutely appalling. And he, justice he, for John Taylor. Justice for John Taylor. John Taylor was, I mean, you you've got to remember that when when teams are playing against the San Francisco 49ers, a lot of people think that Jerry Rice was double covered on every play. He wasn't because teams couldn't do that because John Taylor would kill them. They was single coverage in Jerry Rice, single coverage on John Taylor with the safeties keeping an eye on both of them. And it's it's never there's he he might be the most underrated wide receiver of all time, and I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. People talk about other receivers and oh you know he's underrated he's underrated. John Taylor never got the respect that he got, uh, and he was an absolutely integral part of that 49ers team that won uh, those three Super Bowls in uh, 1988, 1989, and 1994. David, do you remember John Taylor for the 49ers, number 82? I do. I do. Yeah, he was a great player. And I agree. He was very good. Um, Jake, a bit before your time, unfortunately. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> but as I say, you know, I mean, if you if you catch, there's talk about Julian Edelman being nominated for the Hall of Fame, and I was I was like, well, are you kidding me? On Julian Edelman, that's ridiculous. Because every every year they talk about people who should be in the Hall of Fame, and you know, players who, who maybe shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, and ones who who are on the cusp. I, I, it came up again with Andrew Luck. I saw it uh, earlier this week. Uh, does Andrew Luck belong in the Hall of Fame? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Nope. No. He, he, was, he was a fantastic player, great player, but he didn't do anything. And he played for six, seven years, whatever it was. Um, and somebody had actually lucky. mentioned... Sorry. Okay. Should be count as lucky stars if he gets put into the, the, the Ring of Honor at Indianapolis. He doesn't belong anywhere near the Hall of Fame. No, he absolutely doesn't. Um, and I, I did see someone saying on Twitter that, um, oh, well, you know, he didn't have any talent uh, around him. And I was like, well, he had the same talent Peyton Manning did. Reggie Wayne was still there. D.Y. Hilton, I mean, he had, I mean, if you'd said to any team at the time, would you like to swap your receivers for ours, T.Y. Hilton and Reggie Wayne? They would have bitten your hand off for it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not into that. Andrew Luck does not belong in the Hall of Fame. A great player, yes, but he only played six years or seven years, and he, he never did anything with it. So um, just stop with the Andrew Luck Hall of Fame talk. Um, and get John Taylor into the Hall of Fame right now because it's long overdue for that man to be in the Hall of Fame. 
So there you go. That's why we, why we, I wasn't a rant. It was a mini rant. Mini rant. Yeah, about the Hall of Fame there. And I mean, every franchise has players where you think, you know, they should be in the Hall of Fame. Why are they not in the Hall of Fame? Uh, and it happens all the time. And I was talking to Ewan McPhail earlier on uh, about the, the, the Hall of Fame selections. And uh, he mentioned someone who <clears throat> we mentioned last year, which is Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil mm. is in the Hall of Fame. Now, I don't have a problem with Dick Vermeil being in the Hall of Fame, but I do have a problem with him getting in before Mike Shanahan. <laughs> I was thinking, enough with this. I don't know what Mike Shanahan did to annoy the people in Canton, but the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is an absolute disgrace. It's a disgrace. Changed the game, and I didn't like it. Well, yeah, They're like we, we're gonna go, we're, we're gonna do this, you know, the twenty first century and you know, the, the late end of the twentieth century. It's all gonna be out passing, and Shanahan went, "Hold my beer, I'm gonna get that guy hundred yards." Yeah, I mean, when you look at the coaching trees around the NFL today, you've got the Parcells slash Belichick coaching tree. Yeah, he's, he's sprung out himself now, but yeah, it's still the Parcells. It's, it's champagnes. It, yeah, it's still the Parcells tree, but you, you know, a lot of people say the Belichick tree, and I, I get that, I understand that, and there's the Shanahan tree, and and that's it, all around the league. That's that's all people talk about. And when you get uh, all these teams and, you know, offense, oh, they're, they're doing this on offense, that on offense, while they're running the Shanahan scheme. I mean, no other coach has that. No other coach. No one today is saying he's running the Tom Landry scheme. You know, no one's saying they're running the Vince Lombardi scheme. No one says they're running the, I don't know, Jimmy Johnson scheme. And these guys are all in the Hall of Fame, of course. And of course, they should be in the Hall of Fame. Joe Gibbs, David, the wonderful, Gibbs, yeah. wonderful Joe Gibbs. You know, that man won with every team that he had. He was incredible for the Washington Commanders. Hall of Fame coach, Joe Gibbs. Where do Washington you... Redskins. Yeah, back in the... But he was, yeah, uh, yeah and, and like I said, I mean, he, he was definitely another one that was the glue for the team. He held the team together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Joe Gibbs. I mean, he's he, he's, he's definitely a yeah. household name. But no one really talks about the Gibbs scheme. They should, maybe they should because you see some of these teams running those massive uh, four tight end packages. I mean, that was Joe Gibbs who, who put that in. Uh, yeah. But you know, they they don't talk about Joe Gibbs in in the way they talk about Mike Shanahan, and and no one does. There's not a single coach that they talk about. He's running this scheme, X scheme, or it came from this bit. It's always Mike Shanahan. And why he's not in the Hall of Fame is just, it, it, it's insanity. I don't know how many Super Bowl rings he's got. Three, four Super Bowl rings. And as I say, taking nothing away from Dick Vermeil. Nothing away from great coach. He's in the Hall of Fame. Quite right. Shanahan should have been in first. And that's my, my wee rant over. Second time you said that in five minutes. <laughs> I know. It's, you know. You know how I feel about it. It's a bugbear I've got. Anyway, gentlemen, was there anything else that we needed to add to uh, this week's edition of the WinFL show before we, uh, before we uh, finish off here? Did you know Anyone? John Taylor? John okay. Taylor, number 82 of the 49ers. He's from Maryland. I did I not never knew know that. that. Salisbury, Maryland. Salisbury, Maryland. There you go. Yeah. John Taylor. 
Jake, anything you want to add? Uh, anyone with Netflix, the documentary following Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota, I think it's just called Quarterback, uh, came out today, the 12th of July. So I will be giving that a watch and seeing if there's any anything interesting or any drama that comes from that. So that that's on that's on now, yeah? It's on Netflix now? Yeah, that's on Netflix. I believe it came out today, the 12th. Fan fantastic i can't wait to see that actually that's going to be really interesting i i'm i'm sort of surprised with who they've gone with i mean i you you obviously you get patrick mahomes of course they spent all the budget on patrick mahomes they're like <laughs> we need two other quarterbacks it, it, it kind of feels like that because um Kurt cousins is obviously has got a very interesting story you know career wise uh, i mean his years what did you think of Kurt cousins in washington david did you like him? Did you because you like that? You <laughs> he he did have some success with Washington. David, what did you think of Kirk Cousins when he was there? For a minute there, but he he was uh you know you love to hate him. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. He was uh you know I think everybody was happy to see him go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, I think Kirk Cousins was happy to go away after back to back franchise tags? He was like, get me out of here. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's he's the king of the the one year contract, isn't he? Fully guaranteed. I was wrong. You know, I th- I, th- I was wrong for saying they blew the budget on Patrick Mahomes because you know damn well his agent got him a good deal. Yeah, I'll bet you even Mahomes' uh, fee for quarterback wasn't fully guaranteed, but Kirk Cousins' was. <laughs> See, you know that. You know it. Um, but then Marcus Mariota. Who quit on his team? That's going to be very interesting. I, I, I know a lot of Falcons fans will be watching it to see kind of how that goes about because it did certainly feel like he just stopped playing for the Falcons at one point. They were like, "Oh, he, I guess we'll see what we got." Desmond Ritter. I I was I was surprised at that because obviously we, you know we know the story of Mariota. He was a second overall pick behind James Winston. He played for the Titans. He did look good, like in his rookie year. He looked very good in the year, and he sort of tailed off, but it, he didn't like fall off a cliff. He was sort of tailing off, and then Ryan Tannehill comes in, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then he's like immediately the starter, and then Mariota sort of in the wasteland goes to Atlanta, and I thought, "Here we go, here we go." Mariota's going to come good again, second overall pick, and it just didn't work. And you think, what has happened to this young man? So I, I am intrigued to see why Mariota, maybe it is a budget thing. I don't know. They, they could have got any one of 30 other quarterbacks. Now, obviously, not Aaron Rodgers. Thank goodness for that. Don't want to see any more of that guy. But I was surprised at Mariota. I, I thought it would have been a bigger market name. Maybe someone like, even someone like Daniel Jones, just because it's it's a, a, a much bigger market, or or, or, or Dak Prescott staying the, in the NFC East there, or maybe one of the, the younger guys like Justin Fields and Joe Burrow, but no, the Marcus Mariota, it's a strange one. I don't really understand it, but I'm still going to watch well, it. You, you can't have, you know... So the, if the documentary was just focused around good quarterbacks, you know, oh, here's Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes, they need to have the, oh, let's check in with the Falcons. Still <laughs> terrible. You really Everybody hate Everybody knows Falcons. in film, you've got to have, you know, peaks and valleys, and Marcus Mario is there for the valleys. Every, every film's got to have a villain. Yeah? 
It could be Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel we're kind of picking on Mariota now. We're sort of picking on him. I'm not picking on Mariota. I was picking on the Falcons, just to be clear. All right. Uh, David, what do you think of Mariota? Do you think he's got any future left? Uh, I think so. I, I think so. He's 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 got uh, quite a bit future left. He'll be okay. I mean, he is I a hope talented. he's good at holding a clipboard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> goodness <laughs> safety. See, now, now I've been mean to Mariota. Now you're being mean to Mariota. Well, I mean, the, the, the young guy who came in, um, oh, sorry, what's his name again? Desmond Ridder? Ridder, yeah. So the young guy who came in, I mean, I, I, I don't know what he's going to be. You know, you, you looked at last year and you think, well, what's going on with this team? And I, I, don't, I don't know what Ridder's going to be. Is Mariota a good backup? I think I'm being mean to Mariota now. I, no, I would say I, I don't think so. I think there are other better backups than Marcus Mariota. Even though he was a second overall pick, he should be good. He did once throw a touchdown to himself. You know, he did that. Hey, that's a talent. You know, not many people have done that. So, yeah, there you go. Well, there we are, gentlemen. I think we can probably <laughs> we can probably wrap it up there. I'm just kind of, you know, just kind of dribbling on now. Um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. That was our NFC East deep dive. And of course, we had a random stats and the news of the Jake there. Thank you very much. Um, next week, we're going to be concentrating on the NFC North. Um, and we're going to be having, uh, that'll be with Dave and somebody coming on whose name escapes me at the moment uh, because I've got far too many people trying to organize for these podcasts for each of the division deep dives. I will get there in the end. Um, so thank you, Jake. I appreciate it. Anytime. I look forward to, to coming back in a few weeks to talk about a certain division. Uh, yes, indeed. And uh, David, thank you very much for joining us for the NFC East episode of the Winifel Show. Thank you for having me. Not at all. I really appreciate it, especially taking time out of your day. Uh, what time is it there now? Is that four o'clock? Quarter past four? Yeah, quarter past four. Quarter past four. Four seventeen to be exact. Well, there you go. Well, listen, you, you, you make sure you stay hydrated in the heat there. And it's still 90 degrees out here. That's 90 degrees. <laughs> It'll be about 32 Celsius. That must be oh. about 32. Let me, let me have a wee look and see what the... What's the temperature here just now? It's reaching 13.1. What is that? It is quarter past nine, to be fair. It is. Um, it's currently 54 degrees Fahrenheit here. Uh, but it's 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 quarter past nine at night, David. So. They hydrated over the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might make a cup of tea. The, yeah. the sun is still shining quarter past nine all right. so that's all right you know uh anyway thank you very much as i say dave thank you jake i really appreciate it. thank you to everyone listening in uh, and we will catch you on next week's edition of the win show <laughs>